Amen, amen, amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for a church that reaches out outside of the four walls of, of the church um, because we are a global church. Lord, I thank you that... Uh, I thank you that we have the opportunity and such amazing people here that, uh, that, that, that tie, that give, that are a part of something so much greater than just a local church here in the center of the universe, Biddeford, Maine. Um, Lord, we, we, we ask your continued blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I need you to, I need you to listen fast. So, so turn with me to Joshua chapter 3, and uh, we're going to get started. We're in a series uh, talking about... Uh, it's actually, we called it saturate. We're talking about the presence of God and the manifest presence of God, how we're, we're called to host and to steward the presence of God in our midst. And uh, the Lord brought me to Joshua chapter 3 this week. Before we get started, why don't you stand up with me and, uh, as we honor the reading of God's Word together. And I want to set the scene really quickly so that in case you're unaware of this, of this specific story um, in the Old Testament, the Israelites at this point where we're picking up, is, uh, they're estimated to be about 2 million strong. And uh, they've been wandering the desert for 40 years. They have been waiting to be able to enter into the promised land that God had, had prepared for them. And they come up to this body of water, not the Red Sea. That happened in the beginning when they freed from Egypt. The Red Sea split and they walked on dry ground. This is 40 years later. They come up to a river. And on the other side of the river is, is the promise of God, the, 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 uh, the promised land. And they're standing on, on this side of it. So Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, and unfortunately named city, um, and went to the Jordan, sorry, where they camped before crossing over. Uh, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits be- between you and the Ark and do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. And so they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will exalt you. I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, Go and stand in the river. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to your people through your word today. Lord, as we see this kind of like foreshadowing of you and your presence of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, Lord, may we walk in obedience and keep our attention fixed on you as we go through every trial that we face in in our life. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, change us, mold us, make us, and break us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks. All right, so the Israelites are uh, 40 years in the wilderness, wandering around. They're almost there. Like they know that they're ready to go into Jericho. They're ready to, to take the, the, the promised land, and they come up to this barrier. Um, and if you, don't, if you don't know this already, if you've lived life in any, any, any way, shape, or form, you usually face barriers before breakthroughs. 
you usually come up to this place of just like, huh, an insurmountable, seemingly insurmountable thing that comes in the way before you, you break through into the other side. And so this is a pretty big thing for them. This is, um, this is a significant uh, deal. It's, uh, we learn in verse 15 that it is harvest season, and that means that the river is at flood stage. So any other time of the year, the Jordan River is about 100 feet wide, maybe, at its, at its widest. But now it is flooded over its banks, and it's incredibly dangerous to, to cross. Um, and it's very, very wide and all kinds of bushes and things like that that will trip you up and tangle you up and all those types of things. Um, and as I was reading this, I thought, isn't it interesting? And I've never seen this before. Isn't it interesting that, it, that it's harvest season? And I say that because I always thought that harvest season was supposed to be the best season. That's the season I'm waiting for all the time. I don't know about you. Like, I'm sick of tilling soil, planting, weeding. I don't want to do any of that stuff. Like, I just want to, I want harvest season to get here. And when it's here, man, you just lay back and just take in the harvest. But, but the reality is, is, and what we know to be true and what I, I quickly forget oftentimes is that we forget that harvest season is actually one of the hardest seasons. It actually is work. It's, it can be a whole lot of work. If, if you grew up in, in northern Maine during potato season, uh, you know that harvest season wasn't the time where you got to just sit back and do nothing. That was a time where you actually had to work the hardest. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That harvest season doesn't mean that we, that we sit back. It's actually a time where, uh, of working. And uh, I've often asked the question, Lord, why do you always call us to move forward in the hardest seasons of our life? Because he never just sits back and like, okay, everything's great. You're provided for and all things are, are amazing and you're great. Now I want you to move forward. Normally he's like, oh, no, everything's going wrong and things, the wheels seem to be moving off. I'm wanting you to move forward right now. Pastor Tom and I were talking this week that the Navy SEALs have this term. It's called embrace the suck. You, you get to this place where you're just like, I'm just going to keep moving, even though it's maybe not hard and maybe not, maybe not easy, but I know that I need to continue to move forward. Why? Because the promise on the other side of it. Um, and it's not time for us to kind of sit back and say, wow, it's harvest season. I can sit back and do nothing. No, actually harvest season is time for you to move forward. And this is what's happening here in this story. Verse, chap- verse 2, it says this. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp. Pause. So I want you to, I want you to just grab this and like actually put yourself as one of these people. They, they camp out on the shores of this engorged river that is, that is way too big and way too dangerous for them to cross over. And they have to spend three days and three nights watching the river as it just goes by. Uh, trees, all kinds of stuff just floating by. And I just imagine what that must have been like. I can almost hear the conversations, the whispers at night. And like, are you sure? Like, we have kids. Why would we want to do this? I, I mean, may, maybe we should just wait till things get back to normal. Maybe when things get back to normal, then, then maybe we'll try this. I mean, I mean, how great is this promised land anyway? I mean, we're waiting 40 years, right? Like, what's four more weeks? We should just wait this thing out, and then, then maybe once things get back to normal, then we'll move into and forward into this thing. I mean, how much better can the promised land be than Shittim, right? I mean, let's just live here. Let's just, let's just settle for Shittim, right? Like, if we could just, if we could just, what? I don't, what's the problem? <laughs> 
If we could just settle, if we could just settle. You guys are bad. If, if we could just settle, I'm just reading the word of the Lord, okay? If we could just settle, thank you, sir. If we could just settle, we got one guy that's actually, you know, has some composure. If we could just settle, then maybe we don't have to move forward into what it is that God has. Because here's the thing that I don't want you to forget as we read this. God had always been providing for them for 40 years, right? We talk about quail falling down, oh, free food. Uh, They wake up every morning, manna, water coming out of a rock. God had always been providing for them. This is not new. But the question that they're wrestling with as they stare at this engorged river for three days is this. Am I going to play it safe in God's provision Or am I going to take a step of faith into God's promises? I mean, I got enough. My kids are safe, and I got a house, and I got a car, we got food, I got a job. Like, God, thank you for providing me. Am I going to play it safe in God's provision, or am I going to take a step forward into God's promises? And I wonder how many times we forfeit the promises of God because the provision of God is good enough. How often do we know that good enough is usually the enemy of God's best? And so we sit back in our complacency and our comfort and say, I think I'm going to stay here. Why would I want to move forward? Because it's probably just as good over there as it is here. This is what they're wrestling with, the same things that we wrestle with. God, I don't really know if I want to jump out because this is still good. Thank you for providing. It goes in verse 3. It says, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. This is what they're telling the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Can I remind us as Christians, like our primary job as followers of Christ is to do just that, follow Christ. And I love this kind of Old Testament foreshadowing of of following the leading of the Holy Spirit. We see this. It's the Ark of the Covenant. It's this actual box where, where God kind of resides, and they're supposed to follow it. But here in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit that lives within us and resides among us, and we're supposed to follow it every, everywhere he leads us. And my point is this, and in your notes it says this, when you see God move, follow him. If you're going to kind of debate, like, base down, like, all of Christianity and what it means to be a Christian and a disciple of Christ and how do I know where to go and what to do and what to say and when to say it, when you see God move, follow him. This is what Jesus did. Jesus literally says in John 5, he's like, you, I can do only what I see my father doing. In Luke chapter 2, he's like, I'm always about my father's business. In other words, I'm, I'm just looking, watching, listening what God's doing and then I'm walking in it. Our primary job is to walk and to follow Christ. And God's business is God's business, whether or not we agree with it, whether or not we like it, whether or not we, we understand it, or it looks familiar to us or not, we're called to follow Christ. Because when I try to fit God into a box before I follow him, oftentimes I miss the new thing that he's wanting to do in me because of what he's always done. And we stay focused on the things that are going on behind us, thinking that God wants to move this way when he's saying, I'm wanting to do a new thing. Right? We see in Isaiah, he says, he says see, I'm doing new, a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And this applies to, this applies to the Israelites in this story. 
If you, if, you know, if you know the story of the Israelites and them wandering in the desert for 40 years, this is, how they, this is how they were led. They were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so as they're all two million strong, going, following, walking together, they're looking up and they're watching. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that's how they knew the direction that they're supposed to keep walking in. But this is different now. All of a sudden, God's changing, changing things up. He says this, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, now I want you to follow it into the river. So the Ark of the Covenant is also called the Ark of God. I love the, the term, the Ark of His presence. That's another term of the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of His presence. And I love that, that in this story, God does not just send them through trials, like, hey, why don't you just go? I'll split it. You know, you guys just start going. Just everyone go. No, no, no. His presence goes with them, and it goes before them and leads them as they carry him into the trial with them. Can I just encourage you, church? I love this because it's so, it's so indicative of where we're at as, as New Testament believers, as we as we hold, as we host, as we carry the presence of God, that he goes with us and he leads us as we carry him into the trial that is in front of us, that is before us, that we're in right now. That he goes with you and that he leads you. And you're like, well, I, I just don't know. No, he's there and he's leading you even in the midst of it as you carry and you host his presence, no matter what that looks like. And as you follow his presence, he says in verse four, then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. I love that last, that last sentence. It's, since you've never been this way before. Essentially saying, keep following God because you've never been this way before. Why would he say that? I think it's because they probably think that they have been this way before, right? And, 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 and I think that, I mean, I think a lot of times we think, well... I think I've already done this. We've already done the, the Red Sea thing, the, the parting and all that. I, I've been this, this way before. Have you, ever, um, have you ever been with somebody driving with someone and they're, they're driving and you're, you're in the passenger seat and they're lost but they refuse to ask for directions? Every, every wife is like, mm-hmm. See, like I'm, I'm different. Like men are no, like notorious for this. They're just like, ah, oh, I can do this. I, I'm, I've driven places before. I don't need to ask for directions. I'm, I'm like, I'll pull over and ask a cow for directions. Like, I have no problem. When it comes to humility in that line, I'm like, uh, could you just help me? I am lost. And, but, but you ever been there where you're like, you're driving with somebody and you're like, can, can you please stop? Can you, this is, we're, we've been driving for two hours down a dirt road and we don't know where we're going, right? This is like the beginning of a horror movie. And you're like, can, you, can we please, can we turn around? Can you just please stop the insanity, right? And they're just like, oh. Because there's almost like this, this, this idea, this sense of security where like, well, I didn't know where I was one time and I, and I figured it out. I've gone somewhere before, so therefore I can go anywhere, right? And you get this kind of idea that like, well, just because I've, I've been in this place before, then I can go any place that I am right now. But that's, that's not necessarily the truth. And, and, I, and I love this, that I think that sometimes, sometimes we want to rest, catch this, sometimes we want to rest in the knowledge of our past experiences to provide future direction. Let me explain what I mean by that. There, there are times and seasons and places for wisdom, but when we get to the point where we're so sure of our past experiences that we fail to look to God for future direction, we're actually in error. 
because we think, oh, I've been this way before. And God is continually reminding us, you may have crossed rivers before, right? You may have crossed the Red Sea before. This is different. You haven't gone this way before. You may have come through difficulties before. You have, may have, have overcome barriers before. But do not get so sure of your past experiences that you stop following me for your current direction. And this is where, as Christians, as we get into this thing, as we go longer in this thing, we kind of like, yeah, I've been here before. I've dealt with this person before. No, actually, this person has a different name, and they're not the same person as the person you dealt with before. There's a new thing, and God wants to speak to you and lead you through this and bring direction through it. And, and sometimes we get so sure of our past experiences that we miss what it is that God has right in front of us. Because God doesn't take us backwards, does he? You've never been this way before. 2021 has never happened before. 2020 will never happen again. But <laughs> please. But 2021, you've never, you've never been this, this way before. And we, get in, we can get in this place. And I, I was thinking this, I was joking around like, <laughs> you may be like, well, Pastor Justin, you don't understand. Like, I was a Christian in the 90s. And so I've seen earthing, right? I, I, I know, like I have been to Brownsville. I went to Toronto Airport Blessing. I boycotted Disney twice, right? I burned all my Teletubbies because I didn't know which one was Tinky Winky. And like, I know, like here's, and I kid, I kid, I kid, but, but listen, God is wanting to do a new thing in our midst, not resurrect an old thing from our past. And so when you're walking into the new thing that God has for you, stop looking back saying, well, I'm, I'm resting on the laurels of my past experiences to dictate my future for, my, for, for what it is that you're calling me into because you've never been this way before. Which is why God is always saying, when we're talking about God's presence, that we are dependent on his presence. We are dependent on his leading. We are dependent, not on the words of everything that other people are saying or our past experiences. God, this is a new thing. I do perceive it. Now it is springing up. So don't let what is behind you cause you to miss what is before you. And this is, this is kind of the beauty of, of what's going on. He says, you've never been this way before. And he says in verse 5, this is the, the words of Joshua to the people. This is the night before. He says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. This word consecration is kind of an old churchy term. We don't really use it. I've never really heard anybody outside of church use this, use this term, but it is so significant if we can understand it. The word consecrate literally means to, to prepare or to, or to dedicate yourself. This is kind of what he says. He says, consecrate yourselves today because tomorrow God wants to do amazing things in you. What, what, what does that mean? Well, it might mean get your heart right. Make sure your heart is clean because tomorrow God wants to do something. Repent of, of your sin that, that, that God is revealing to you because God wants to do a new thing. Maybe you need to fast or you need to set aside the typical so that you can be aware and alert to what God is doing in and among you and you don't want to miss it because your preparation today will actually usher you into the promises of tomorrow. This is what Joshua is communicating to the people. This isn't just like, hey, consecrate yourselves. Hey, you should take a bath. You smell um, because tomorrow we're going to be crossing. He's saying, consecrate, prepare, dedicate, get your heart right because God wants to do an amazing thing and you're going to usher that in by the preparation that you do today. Get it? It's, it's, this, it's this powerful thing, this act of preparation and expectation that God is going to move and I'm ready for it. 
And so, so God has a job and you have a job. We, when we do what only we can do, then we make room and prepare the way for God to do what only he can do. God, I'm going to prepare my heart. I'm going to make sure that, that my heart is right in this. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to do these things so that I'm going to make room for you to do what only you can do, the amazing that you're wanting to do. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, uh, Jesus says this, and I'm going to read it in the message paraphrase. I love how, how it's written in in this paraphrase, it says, give your entire atten- attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. That's beautiful. I mean, like, essentially, he's like, you, you got to trust that, that God's going to take care of tomorrow's problems, but embrace today's process, right? Embrace the suck, right? Embrace today's process. Consecrate yourselves today because God is wanting to do amazing things in your tomorrow. And then he says in verse 6, Joshua says to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the people who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge, catch this, listen to the very specific words, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. What he tells them to do, he says, I want you to step out. When you reach the edge, the water's right there, step out and then stand still. I want to clarify something. As we've been talking about, like, hey, like, get a word for 2021. Listen for what it is that God is speaking to you over your life, over your marriage, or your family, whatever that is for 2021. It's really important that you hear from the Lord. That's vital. It's really important that you consecrate yourselves in prayer and, and prepare and to dedicate yourself before the Lord. That is vital. But I want you to understand, you will never cross rivers unless you get your feet wet. So you may be like, I, I, this is my word from the Lord, and it's so awesome, and I've been praying, and I've been doing all these things. I just want you to understand, there many times God says, you've heard my word, now I need you to act on it. I need you to take a step out into it. In order to cross rivers, you have to get your feet wet. And I was asking the Lord, it was, it's interesting if you read this. He says, he goes out, he says, go out, go, st- go and stand in the river. Essentially, he's, take your step out and then stand still. I'm like, why in the, why does God tell them to go out? I don't know how far, how far is, you know, how deep's too deep, right? How shallow is too shallow? He just says, go and stand in the river. So I don't know. I'd probably go up to my knees. I, I have no idea. I just, yeah, this is good enough. We're all in. Okay. And then you just stand. Why in the world would God say, I want you to go out and then I want you to just stand still? And as I was praying about it, I really think that that it's because sometimes we think that it is our stepping out that does the work. And especially in churches like, you know, ours, like a charismatic church, sometimes we get to this point where we think like, well, I took a step of faith and God met me. I put my hands on the sick and they recovered. I did this and then this happened. But, but I think God is always reminding us that, our po- that, that the power does not reside in our stepping out. It actually doesn't even reside in, in the action of us. We, we have a point of contact where we move out and we take a step out. But, but his power is in the waiting. It's in the standing, knee deep in a river 
knowing, God, if you don't show up, I'm going to look like a stinking fool. You ever been there? Where God's like, I want you to go do this. I want you to go pray for this person. I got this word I want you to share. And you're thinking, if this is wrong, I am going to sound like a nincompoop. You're like, I, I, are you sure? I, I don't even know if this is something that's actually, I, I, I'm really unsure that this is the right way to go, God. And he's like, I want you to go out and then I want you to stand because when I do show up, I want all the glory, not you. And I, thought, and I think sometimes God says, I, I want you to simply go out and pause and not miss the miracle in your midst. Because it was never their heavy lifting that caused the miracle. It's always God. It is always the God with us, the, the, the Holy Spirit that we carry with us and in us that does the heavy lifting. So they go out and they stand. Verse 13 Catch this, it says, as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, let's not forget which Lord we're talking about here, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand stand up in a heap. Never seen a heap of water before. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know, it crystallizes. I don't, I don't know if just put a big fan on it and it just kind of holds up. I have no, but it stands up in a heap. And I want, to, I want you to notice something significant. It was, it, it was only when the leaders chose to go and to wade in the waters that God would open the waters because leaders have to get their feet wet first. In other words, it wasn't enough for the, for the priests to kind of wait around with their arms crossed, standing on the, on the shores of the Jordan, looking at all these people, wondering why in the world they didn't have enough faith to cross over. Why in the world wouldn't they, why aren't you trusting in the Lord? Why, you, know, why can, why, you should just go, all two million of you. I'll, 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 I'll bring up the rear, right? I mean, you should just, just start this thing up. But time and time again, we find that, that God is always like, ah, ah, leaders go first. Like Leaders have to get their feet wet first. They couldn't just wait around. And I've always, I've always prayed this over the past four years of being a senior pastor here is that, Lord, may I never be a limiter to the amazing that God has for us. And what I've learned over the past four years is that as a leader, and many of you are, that it's not just about limiting God through our inaction, it means that I have to be the change that I desire to see, to get my feet wet first. Like a leader comes prepared. A leader comes early. A a, a leader hangs around. A leader gets prayed up. A leader is worshiping unabashedly the king of kings, the king of Lord of all the earth. He, not just trying to impress people or holding back, wondering why in the world people aren't moving forward, a leader gets his feet wet first. And it's in this realization that our leadership height will never exceed our spiritual depth that is most humbling. So if you want to go higher, then, then go deeper. If you want to be a leader, then get your feet wet first. Man, it's humbling and encouraging and maddening all in one. Because let me tell you, It's safer to sit on the shore, people watching, wondering what the problem is. It's much riskier 
It's a whole lot riskier to see God move, to step out of line, and to wade into the waters, not allow your hands to hang limp, but to pick up the sword and to do it scared and to go first into the unknown and to step into the waters. These priests who had to, I'm thinking about this, like the priests who had to carry the ark into the water to begin with, they had to step into the unknown. And so much of leading in the kingdom of God is going first and stepping out into the unknown because you've never been this way before. But we, but we serve a God who, who has. He's timeless. He sees the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He lives in all. So they were told to go first, to step out, and then to stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. This is what I was thinking of when I saw that word stand. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. Can I just encourage you, church? Sometimes we're called to simply stand. Sometimes you're called to just remain standing, not collapse, not retreat, not to try to kick the water and make it, make it happen on your own. Sometimes you're just called to, to simply stand in the middle, interceding uh, until a loved one crosses over, until your kids cross over, until God, God's promises come, come to fruition, until you know, forgiveness happens, until all of these things. Can I just encourage you that after you've done everything, stand. Why don't you stand with me? That's a good segue, huh? So, um, I, I always put myself into these situations, into these stories, and I was imagining what it must have been like to be some of those Israelites, to walk into the dry, well, it's dry ground by this time. They're walking on dry ground, and the, the walls of water is piled up. We don't necessarily even know what that looks like or feels like, but it's kind of, it's it's got to be kind of freaky, right? And their eyes are fixated on the Ark of the Covenant. And, and Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, this is what it says. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits. Now, you're like, what's, what's a cubit? I barely know what a meter looks like, right? I'm like, if it ain't a yard or a foot, I got no clue, right? This is a cubit. So I had to look it up. I literally Googled it. How much is a cubit? Um, 2,000 cubits is about less than, it's between... Um, a third and a half of a mile, somewhere in there. So about a third and a half a mile, this is where the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant is. And he says this, keep that between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. So I want you to imagine, you've got this Ark, these, these priests that are carrying it, and it's about maybe at most a half a mile, and you're kind of walking through it, keeping your eyes fixated on it. Uh, some of you have been like, that must have been so cool because you've watched movies where you're just like, oh, I'm going to go and touch the water. Piled up water. It's so cool. So cool. Or you'd be like, man, this is awesome. You'd be like dancing and, you know, doing whatever you can do because this is so, this is so much fun that you're walking. Here's the thing. I would be freaking out. I would be, so, I would be like, well, hey, could you move over? I can't see it. Right? Because I'm keeping my eyes fixated on the ark because I know that I got to keep my eyes fixed on the ark because who knows when and if these walls of water are all of a sudden going to stand, not be piled up anymore. Right? I'd be looking up and be like, hey, you with the cowboy hat, get down. Who wears a cowboy hat? You know what I mean? Like, and I would be literally, I would just be so focused and fixated on what it was that God was, because I've never been this way before. 
I've never been this way before. And I think of Peter when he was walking on water. You know, we know this story. He steps out of the boat, and as long as he keeps his eyes fixated on Jesus, he's walking on water. Amazing. I don't even know what that looks like, feels like. And as soon as he starts looking at the waves and the wind and everything else around him, and he looks back at the guys, he's like, he starts to sink in the midst of it. And it's this humbling moment where the question is this, what if, what if the higher the stakes are means the more focused on Jesus you need to be? Because when the stakes are high, a lot of times we get all like, oh gosh, I got to take my, into my own hands, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do this. And God's like, the higher the stakes, the more you need to just stay focused on me. You and the cowboy hat, get down before I make you get down. I am fixating on Jesus because he's leading me through a crisis. He's leading me through a trial. He's leading me through this temptation. God, we're focused on you. And so I want to ask you this question as I pray. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about? What, what, what is the river that you just know you need to cross or something that you just know you need to follow him in, but you know you've been reluctant to do it or that you just know you need courage to get your feet wet first? Let me remind you, it doesn't happen on accident. It takes making a decision to say, I'm going to trust you as I walk in. And I'm going to pray. And at the end of my prayer, I'm going to ask you, maybe you've got something in front of you. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a diagnosis, a health diagnosis, <clears throat> a concern. You've got something going on. Maybe it's, maybe it's you, you, you've been, you're unemployed and you can't find a job. Whatever that thing is that's in front of you that you know is a barrier before your breakthrough, I'm going to ask you to take a step forward. And it's just a symbolic saying, God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of it. I'm going to trust you for today and what you're doing right now. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would reveal to your servants, to your people, to your followers right now that which we need to walk into, the courage that we need to step into, and realize that you are going to walk into and carry, as, as we carry you into the trial. Lord, we thank you that you go with us, that you reside in us, and that we, we can trust you. And so we look at that thing that is right in front of our face right now. We look at the thing that, that just seems like, man, I just don't even know how I'm going to even be able to get through this or cross through this. And God, we choose to trust you. And so the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to just take a step forward. One, two, three. Lord Jesus, as we stand, I pray that we would put our whole trust in you that everything we have pales in comparison to the presence of God in our life. And so we realize that when the stakes are high, we need you even more and in a deeper way. Lord, we thank you that you go with us. You're before us, behind us, beside us, beneath us, above us. You reside in us. You lead us. God, you're with us in every step of whatever situation we find ourselves in, and we refuse to let the presence of a barrier keep us from the presence of a promise that we walk into. And so, Lord, we trust you. We give you all the praise and all the glory as we follow you every step of the way. And Lord, I pray for those of us that have, have a, maybe it's a health issue right now. I pray that as we take that step of faith, Lord, I pray that you would be faithful and just, Lord God. 
I, pr I, pray, I pray for healing. I pray for a healing anointing over people right now that they've walked in with. God, you would do what only you can do as we do what only we can do. We thank you that you are more than enough. We give you all the grace and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.